Hi everyone, this is Michael, and welcome to the Christchurch Podcast. Jesus is risen from the dead. I don't think I'll ever get over saying that. He is risen, risen from the dead. Yes, welcome to the Easter season. For the next 50 days, we're going to be celebrating the risen Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Easter isn't a one-day thing. It doesn't just happen on Easter Sunday and then we're done. We don't. That is, we don't wake up that morning and do our sunrise service or go to church and wear our pastels, our seersucker, go home, eat deviled eggs with some family, call it a day, and then we're done. No, Easter keeps going. Easter's longer than Lent. Thank God. (laughs) For 50 days, we continue to be reminded of the Easter story. Yes, 50 days. And we allow the Easter story to form us into Easter people. The resurrection has happened. But what happened after Jesus resurrected? Well, I'm glad you asked. In John's gospel, we're told a story about Jesus appearing one evening to his disciples. You like how we just jumped right into scripture like that? That's awesome. What a transition. Yeah, John's gospel tells a story where Jesus just shows up in an upper room where his disciples are. His disciples are hiding together for fear of the religious leaders possibly coming after them next. They saw what happened to their teacher, their rabbi, Jesus, so they're afraid. They're hiding behind locked doors. And all of a sudden, we're not even told how, Jesus appears. He shows up in their midst. How did Jesus get in the room? I know I'm not the only one asking that question. How in the world did Jesus get in the room? If you're curious where this story takes place, it's John 20. And I would love for you to read that passage and then tell me how you think Jesus got into the room. All John tells us is that Jesus came and stood among them. That's it. Jesus came and stood among them. But the doors were locked. Like, did someone let him in? Did he knock? Also, Jesus is alive, right? Jesus came and stood among them. And he says to them, peace be with you. Now, somehow, Jesus' resurrected body can make its way through walls and locked doors. That's what I think is happening here. That's what a lot of people think happened, because how in the world did he get into this room, right? Somehow, the resurrected body that Jesus now possesses and lives within or lives from, however you want to put that, can make its way through walls and locked doors. Something is going on here. So if you're the disciples hiding away behind locked doors, fearing that at any moment someone may show up and arrest you or put you on trial and crucify you, what happens when some man appears before you having not even come through the door? This guy simply appears. He shows up out of nowhere. There was no knocking at the door. No one let him in. But here he is in your midst. You'd be freaking out, right? Right? I'd be freaking out. So, of course, Jesus says... Oh, peace be with you. 
It would seem that his disciples don't recognize him. So John tells us, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with the joy, or rather, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Did you also sense the huge breath of relief that the disciples took when they recognized that it was Jesus? <sighs> Thank the Lord, literally. <laughs> Did you catch on to how they knew it was him? Yeah, he showed them that even in his resurrected body, that apparently can like teleport or at least go through walls and locked doors, Jesus still wears the scars of his crucifixion. He showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And the disciples rejoice. But Jesus appeared to them on purpose. There was more going on here. He wasn't just showing up and being like, what's up? Though they probably did celebrate for a second. I mean, the disciples did rejoice. But he had a reason for being there. John goes on and tells us that again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus says again, Peace be with you. And then he commissions his disciples as apostles. What's going on here? See, They are no longer followers. That's what disciples mean, or students. But Jesus is now giving them a new task, a new identity, kind of. In fact, it's the same task that the Father, God the Father, had given him. These followers have now become apostles, which means sent out ones. They're no longer just followers of Jesus, no longer just students of Jesus. They are now doing what Jesus, their rabbi, has done. This is, this is, by the way, the goal of a disciple. This is the whole idea of discipleship. They pick a rabbi and they become like their teacher. That's the point. You follow your teacher to become like your teacher. And now here we go. Jesus is giving them a new task. Go out and do what I do. The followers have become apostles. Are we catching on? And did you notice what Jesus did next? He breathed on them. All right, let's do some Greek work. The original Greek for breathed here is the word emphasao. Emphasao. The word means to breathe or blow upon. Now that... that Okay, that all checks out, because that's what we have in our English translation. But what's more interesting is that the Greek term emphasao is not used anywhere else in the New Testament. More commonly, the Greek term that is used throughout the New Testament for breath would have been the word pneuma, which is also the same word that we have for spirit, like the Holy Spirit. In fact, in this same sentence, John tells us that Jesus breathed emphasao on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, pneuma. Now follow with me here, because this is where it gets really fun. And we're going to be spending the rest of our time. 
Emphasao is the same word used by the Septuagint translators of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where we are told, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, the Septuagint, if you're just not familiar with what that is, or if you've never heard of it before, it's the Greek translation. It's got a really cool story behind it, kind of a legend. Um, of the Old Testament. At first it was just the Torah, but then it became the rest of what we know as our Christian Old Testament that many Greek-speaking Jewish people living during Jesus's day would have used. So like, like the Apostle Paul probably used the Septuagint. But what's happening here? What's happening here? In a few words, Jesus is enacting the new creation. That word emphasaho, just to to go back means to breathe or to blow upon. And it's the same word that the Septuagint translators used to translate uh, the scene in Genesis when God formed man out of the ground or out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and gave man life. It's used nowhere else in the New Testament except right here where Jesus breathes on his disciples. Jesus is enacting the new creation. This is mind blowing. In this upper room where Jesus finds his closest followers cowering away behind locked doors, we see how this new creation came into being. The work of God making all things new is happening through a risen Christ and a small group of ordinary people who were afraid for their lives. No wonder Jesus shares his peace with them first. This is not a peace given as the world gives. This is something different. Jesus, recognizing his followers' fear, shares a peace that goes beyond understanding and then He breathes on them. More than that, he breathes new life into them. The Savior of the world has been resurrected from the dead. New creation has officially begun. And the head of that new creation, the greater Adam, Jesus, is doing a whole new thing. God, just like in the very beginning, breathes life into humanity. And the world is forever changed. Later, in a letter to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul would say it this way. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross." Jesus breathes into his disciples. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, whom we may call the Holy Spirit, is given. As the disciples receive the Spirit, they are sent out to bring new life to the world, practicing the resurrection the whole way. So for 50 days, we party. And I mean that. Get the good silver and china out, the wine or the sparkling grape juice, and start 
cooking, decorate the house, pull back the blinds, let the light in, and in a COVID-friendly manner, because we're still in it, folks, find ways to celebrate with others. Play the fun music. Sing and shout hallelujah and dance until your feet hurt. And then rest. And rest with a smile on your face. Evil and the powers of sin and death have been defeated. Christ is risen. Jesus has overcome. Grace and peace.